if you're really relaxed, you may be as cool as a cucumber. Now, you'd think that would be pretty modern, but in fact, it dates back to the 17th century. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage Podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Well, last time you talked about the word hot. We also talked about uh, Twitter as a phenomenon, and uh, Prince Charles claimed that it was destroying the language. I was arguing that it can move language in different ways directions and we don't necessarily want to squash all that of course there's a lot of silliness on twitter and a lot of bad english usage on twitter okay fine but it's a form and like all forms it moves the language forward and then you proceeded to tell us all about the word hot and all the transformations that that has gone through over the years and here we are it's been summer but uh now it's feeling more and more like fall every day and the weather's getting cooler so Let's see how the word cool has been changing over the years. Yeah, I find uh, cool a really interesting expression in its metaphorical sense in that uh, it was early in the 50s that cool took off big and originally meant something like hip. and It was an insider word and it was a young people's word or a beatnik word. Mm -hmm. A really cool man. Yeah, or that's uncool, right? But now uh, people would just say... Uh, you want to take the trash out tomorrow instead of today? And I say, yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as neutral as a word can get. Yeah. And it's one of those words that's meant to be uh, a statement about something being good or nice that loses all trace of its roots and, and becomes uh, very, very general. Although it didn't, can still use it in that way. That's really cool. That was a cool solution, you know. This is a cool idea that's closer to the original meaning, but, uh, you know, maybe you could drive the second hundred miles. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it really means okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it has very broad range of meanings. That may contribute to part of the reason why it has hung around so long as a slang term. It goes back more than 60 years, like you said. Of course, at a certain point, slang is no longer slang, right? But it's just stuck around as a part of casual speech for a very long time. And I think part of it is that it's got that malleability. It will adapt over time to uh, starts off being cool, like you're in with the in crowd, you're cool. And then eventually it just means, yeah, that's cool. I'm okay. You know, it sort of replaced swell. Swell for although it had a very different root um, for a long time was the the generic term that swells is and uh, cool swell didn't last but for some reason cool has had uh, it has legs as they say yeah and I think all around the word cool is meaning not uptight in a way like uh, I'm not going to get wound up over that one I'm just right. going to be cool I'm not going to lose my temper on this one. Uh, whatever it is, and a cool person always had that sort of association with it, right? That person's cool, meaning they're not too high-strung. Yeah. An example I thought of is somebody saying, I can't come to the party after all, and you reply, 
don't worry, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So in the literal sense, it belongs to a large group of words that means more or less the same thing. Chilly, chill, cold, bracing, brisk, crisp, fresh, refreshing, invigorating, nippy. There's a lot of those last part kind of words that are meant to, to encourage people who hate the cold to see it in a positive fashion. It's like crisp morning instead mm-hmm. of chilly morning. Cool is a very old word like hot. It entered Anglo-Saxon in the ninth century with a lot of different spellings and didn't settle down to C-O-O-L for several centuries. And originally it had the same meaning that it does now literally, but it evolved fairly early on to mean calm. And this has something to do with the old uh, idea of the fluids in the body, the humors uh, affecting you. And calm people were said to have cool blood and have hot blood was to be easily excited and angry. Uh, And of course, to have cool blood is very different from being cold-blooded. That's a modern expression, meaning that somebody is immensely cruel without the excuse of being carried away by their temper, but just evil. And the cold-blooded murders, of course, the most famous being the ones in Truman Capote's book, In Cold Blood. Um, there's an article online in Slate, which cites some passages from Shakespeare and early uses of cool as meaning calm and reasonable. In uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, Theseus tells his Amazonian bride-to-be Hippolyta, Lovers and madmen have such seething brains, such shaping fantasies that apprehend more than cool reason ever comprehends. So reason and coolness are associated at that point. Mm -hmm. Hamlet, disheveled and ranting at the ghost of his dead father, frightens his mother Gertrude, who cries out, O gentle son, upon the heat and flame of thy distemper, sprinkle cool patience. It's interesting to temper is something in humans that you lose when you get angry, whereas when you're smelting metal, uh, you temper the iron to make it more solid, cool it off. Yeah, yeah. So when love fades, we say it cools, the relationship cooled. Um, That can also be of uh, nations that have been negotiating and not getting along so well and deciding that their relationship has cooled. Um, But to be self-controlled when you're provoked is to keep your cool. And there's an old formula, alliteration, cool, calm, and collected. That uh, you don't hear so much anymore, but it used to be very, very common. One very dated bit of slang from the 70s was cool your jets. Cool your jets, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or cool your heels. Yeah, well, cool your heels is a little different. Cooling your heels is to uh, having to cool your heels is having to wait for something. And so, oh, cool your jets means uh, don't get over eager, over anxious, don't right. get over excited. Okay. Right. Yeah. And cool your heels means uh, you're having to stand in one place for a long time, basically, because you're waiting. Right. Yeah. If you're really relaxed, you may be as cool as a cucumber. 
Now, you'd think that would be pretty modern, but in fact, it dates back to the 17th century. And it may have been invented by a single writer, John Gay. Um, he wrote a poem called A Song, A New Song of New Similes. Now, my love is like a red, red rose. I did a whole talk of one of our episodes about the rose as a simile for love or a metaphor, a symbol. But uh, he's making fun of this, the fact that there are a lot of sort of just, or a small body actually of love imagery that gets used over and over again. So he's trying to introduce some new ones. So he comes up with some that are not the kind of thing you find in, in Shakespeare, for instance. My passion is as mustard strong. I sit all sober sad, drunk as a piper all day long, or like a March hare mad. Now, drunk as a piper and uh, mad like a March hare were common sayings at the time, but they hadn't been applied to love. Mm -hmm. And they are here because in this period, love is usually associated with melancholy, that you're suffering from love sickness. So unhappiness is often a part of love language at this time. Round as a hoop, the bumpers flow. Now, a bumper is uh, something you drink beer out of. And, of course, the the bumpers are flowing around. And he's saying, well, how do they flow around? They flow around like a hoop, which is a pretty weird expression. I drink, yet can't forget her. For though as drunk as David's sow, I love her still the better. Now, we're very unlikely to know these days what drunk as David's sow means. So I traced it back. It took some doing to a 1785 dictionary of the vulgar tongue by Francis Gross. There are many of the references to it refer to later editions, but this actually occurs in the initial edition in 1785. And it seems terribly far-fetched. I don't know if this is just an urban legend, but uh, this is an explanation of how people came to say drunk as David Sow. Okay. One David Lloyd, a Welchman, and that should be Welshman by modern language, but back then it was Welchman, who kept an alehouse at Hereford, had a living sow with six legs, which was greatly resorted to by the curious. He also had a wife much addicted to drunkenness, for which he used sometimes to give her due correction. One day, David's wife, having taken a cup too much and being fearful of the consequences, turned out the sow and lay down to sleep herself sober in the sty. A company coming in to see the sow, David ushered them into the sty, exclaiming, There is a sow for you. Did any of you ever see such another? All the while, supposing the sow had really been there, to which some of the company, seeing the state of the woman was in, replied, It was the drunkenest sow they had ever beheld, whence woman was ever after called David's sow. Oh, my gosh. That seems a little tortured to me. Uh, yeah, but I don't just buy that hook, line and sinker. <laughs> but at any rate, there was an expression, drunk as David's sow. There was a stereotype in uh, the Renaissance particularly And uh, you find it in Roman poetry as well of women, particularly being uh, alcoholics. It's not a stereotype that lasts. When you get into the 19th century, it pretty much disappears, and it's just men that are getting drunk all the time. But there was uh, a lot of reference to drunken women. And then it goes on, pert as a pearmonger I'd be, 
if Molly were but kind. Cool as a cucumber could see the rest of womankind. So he's saying, you know, the, I don't know why a paramonger would be particularly pert, but to be kind in love poetry is to, to give in to somebody's seductive advances. And so he's saying, if only Molly would love me back the way I love her, then I could look at other women as cool as a cucumber. I wouldn't have any aroused, heated emotions. And that seems to be the first occurrence of that expression, cool as a cucumber, to mean calm. And I suspect that it was indeed invented in this poem. When you're urging somebody to calm down, you say, cool down, cool off, cool it. Let's take a cooling off period. Mm -hmm. Cool out. Later, chill out. And we use chill a lot. These days, I'm going to do a little uh, excursus here on chill because that's become very, very common now to tell people, hey, chill, man, mm-hmm. or I'm just chilling. Yeah. And then the uh, conflated expression from chill and relax has been turned into chillax. Yes. Meaning calm down and relax. This is mostly uh, young people slang. And then there is the expression Netflix and chill. Now, it originated a, a decade ago, meaning to relax and watch a movie from Netflix. But a couple of years ago, and this is quite recent, it evolved into a quite different meaning. The idea is that somebody is saying to somebody else, usually via uh, maybe Twitter or some other email or something, saying, let's let's uh, watch a movie and relax by seeing this Netflix and chill. But what they really have in mind is to have sex. And they're not going to watch the movie probably at all. It's according to the sources I've looked at originated like so many colorful expressions in English. It's black slang, but now it's widespread, used all over. And it's mostly a joke. I don't know that people really tell each other, hey, let's Netflix and chill. But there are a lot of jokes about Netflix and chill. So the, the ideal is to Netflix and chill with somebody who's really hot. Well, we're getting back to your point uh, in the last episode. When we can twist it around and turn it around into something that's got some sexual meaning, then we'll do that, right? (laughs) So here we are again. So Netflix and chill is one of the more interesting euphemisms uh, that I've heard over time. I don't know how long it's going to stick, though. seems like a fad. No, I think it'll get worn out pretty soon. It's already, I mean, it's all over Facebook and People just talk about it as a phenomenon rather than actually using it as an expression, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's used to label a large sum of money. It costs a cool million or a cool grand. You know, it strikes me, too, just going back to the top of the podcast here, when you're introducing it, that cool as a measure of temperature is associated with cold. But all of these ways that we use cool, you could never, of course, substitute the word cold. Uh, it would have an entirely different meaning. Right. You know, uh, a cool million has a certain connotation to it. Mm-hmm. But cold, hard cash, that's got something else going on. Yes. Right. Right. Um, it was, again, black Americans who introduced cool as a term of praise uh, widespread in the 1920s, especially associated with jazz. And uh, they often called musicians cool cats. Well, that would be somebody that you particularly admired as a jazz musician. 
And that can be compared with a, a modern expression, too cool for school. Now, this is uh, an ironic expression, uh, a little bit different from chillax or Netflix and chill, but it, it really does function in the opposite way you might think. It's used disdainfully to describe somebody who thinks he or she is cool. So he's just too cool for school. And the Oxford Living Dictionary gives us an example. He has no brains, no looks, no personality, but he still thinks he's too cool for school. The school part seems to be mainly there just for the sound of the word. really doesn't have to do with uh, somebody cutting school very much. No, in fact, uh, you might think that somebody was so cool they didn't even go to school, right? You might, but I, I don't think that's the point. Really. No, uh, no, I think you're right. It's just there for the rhyme. Now, I said I'd come back to cool jazz. Um, 1953, cool jazz became popular as a, a more relaxed, less frantic successor to hard bop of the kind that Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie were especially famous for. And it was associated uh, with both black and white players and is uh, defined in jazz history by one of the most famous albums ever, The Birth of the Cool, a compilation of Miles Davis Nonette recordings originally from 1949 to 1950. So the idea, it's really a 50s phenomenon, cool jazz. Uh, and that album that compiled those in an LP was released in 1957. And I think a lot of people became aware of cool jazz through that recording. Coolness was also associated the same period, especially in the uh, beatnik or beat uh, culture with drug use, especially heroin. Being cool was often meant to refer to, to being blissed out on heroin. And of course, Miles Davis and several other, uh, many other jazz musicians were addicted. Davis uh, overcame his addiction the hard way by just toughing it out um, remarkably. Um, this association of jazz and coolness with drugs and self-destructive behavior partly inspired uh, Gwendolyn Brooks, the African-American uh, Pulitzer Prize winner and poet, to write her most famous poem in 1959. And she was quite annoyed by the fact that this was the poem that everybody remembered. She wrote a lot of other interesting poetry. And we'll put up a link to her discussing this poem and then reading it. I think most people remember it as We Real Cool, but the title is The Pool Players, Seven at the Golden Shovel. Mm. We real cool. We left school. We lurk late. We strike straight. We sing sin. We thin gin. We jazz June. We die soon. It's really easy to see why that stuck. Uh, yes, yeah. It's not a cool poem, though. <laughs> it's a critique of coolness. <laughs> That's right. It's definitely, it's got an angle. It's got a slant to it. Um, but, yeah, it's as I remember it, reading it in uh, high school or middle school or junior high, you instantly sort of memorize the whole thing, really. <laughs> Well, also, it's, it's uh, if white people want to have say something about black people, it's interesting that they choose this famous poem to criticize black people's behavior rather than one of the many other poems that uh, criticizes white people's behavior in regard to blacks. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, I'm looking for poems with cool in them. A lot of them have to do with, you know, lying down in a cool shade or, you know, cool literally. But this is a, a literal meaning, but it doesn't have to do with the weather. And it's by Dante Gabriel Rossetti. It's about, uh, partly about music, and uh, it has been set to music, but I couldn't find a recording of it on YouTube. So if uh, somebody knows where there's a recording of a performance somewhere on the Internet or would like to perform it for us, uh, it'd be nice to leave a note in our comment section. So I thought I'd end with this because I thought it was quite a, a moving poem in which a cool relationship can actually be a warm one. Uh, that is an affectionate one. And I'm not sure whether this is meant to be somebody who is um, just unhappy or ill or perhaps even dying. Uh, it could mean any of those things. But it's quite moving about a relationship and, and warmth and coolness being associated with music in an interesting way. But it's not cool jazz, um, but affection being conveyed through coolness on a fevered brow, fevered eyes in this case. Oh, leave your hand where it lies cool upon the eyes whose lids are hot. Its rosy shade is bountiful of silence and assuages thought. Lay your lips against your hand and let me feel your breath through it, while through the sense your song shall fit the soul to understand. The music lives upon my brain between your hands within mine eyes. It stirs your lifted throat like pain and aching pulse of melodies. Lean nearer. Let the music pause. The soul may better understand your music shadowed in your hand now while the song withdraws. Mm. Well, that's fantastic. And that's from Dante Gabriel Rossetti. He was a 19th century poet, uh, died in 1882. We don't know the year of the poem exactly, do we? Well, I, it's out there somewhere probably, but I didn't find it in my, my searching. It's not a poem that's that widely known, but uh, I think a very effective one. It is, yeah. Nice yeah. way to cool down at the end of this discussion. Yes, well... It has been an interesting discussion. Once again, um, this time it's four little letters doing a lot of uh, hard work, morphing over time and adjusting to lots of different uses that we can put it to over time, over the years. And once again, really interesting how far back this all goes. Okay. Well, we'll be back next time with something interesting. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Paul. So long time. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.